Hey, it's Monday night, and right about now, what are we doing? We are sharing. That's what we're doing. So, let's, I have a couple more to do here. So, let me just check. Yeah, that's good. It's good to share. It's what gets it out there and allows individuals to be able to um, see it and makes you think, right? It's good to think outside the box. It's good to look at things from different perspectives and um, be challenged because I don't know about you, I'm always a um, a disciple of Christ and a teacher. I teach what he gives me, and I learn what he teaches me from others, from himself. He always confirms everything for me, which is very nice of him. Well, that one doesn't seem to be working well. There we go. All right. So, yeah. So, the the thing is, <clears throat> it's good to share because we want to get things out there and let people... Um, decide for themselves. You know, we're, uh, like I've said many times, uh, Justin Abraham says, uh, and I love it, that we're powerful enough to disagree. But what if it opens up a door and brings us into a greater place in experiencing the Creator, God our Father, then is it worth it? Or are we better to keep what we think and feel a security in what we believe instead of going deeper into him? If you think about it that way, the Apostle Paul would still be Jewish. He would have stayed a Jew. But he changed his mind, metanoia, and followed Yeshua. And... That's all we're asking is, is it possible that we might have missed something? That there might be something else? And so that's what we do here on the journey, is share our journey with you and encourage you to search a matter out. As the scripture says, that um, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter and the glory of kings to search a matter out. So that's what we do. We search a matter out because the only thing that truly satisfies is not um, church, is not Christianity. It's not spiritualism or being spiritual, but it's Yeshua himself. It's having an intimate relationship with Yeshua. That's the only thing that satisfies. 
because we were created with a void and he was the only one that could fill it. And that's why we desire him so much. So, just to let you know, like usual, to tell you that we are on um, video, YouTube, Facebook, The Journey, um, that you are able to get us, see us on those pages, is video form. You can also get the audio, which I put up usually at the end of the night, on Spotify, Podomatic, um, um, Amazon Music, iTunes Music, uh, iHeartRadio, and a few others. It's on many different platforms for you to be able to just, at your convenience, be able to hook up, man, and listen to it. Whether, whatever you're doing, you know, you're jogging, blowing snow, which hopefully won't be for a while yet. Um, whatever you're doing, whatever you're doing, you can uh, listen to it in your spare time. Or you can watch the video if you want to see my pretty face. <laughs> so I've decided again tonight. Oh, boy, I guess I should show you the sites. I almost forgot. Um, whoops. There we go www.hcm-strafford.org or .com. You can get our website, HCM The Journey, and you're able to learn a bit more about us, uh, find a lot of links there, and be able to go from there into many different directions on this. So that's all there for you, as well as a uh, donation button. If you want to donate to support this ministry, HCM, The Journey, then there is a spot there with PayPal, which is a safe and secure way to donate. And we appreciate everyone that supports what we're doing as we continue to press into the heart of God. And in this day, receive understanding, revelation from him, because he said he was going to take us by a way we've not been before. So if we've not been that way before, then we're obviously, it's not what we're doing. So we want to know what that is. So I want to encourage you uh, that you can support there. Also, we can be found at www.youtube.com forward slash capital G Grace and capital T Truth, capital J, capital B Brown. That's the YouTube channel, which there's a whole catalog of uh, previous messages, podcasts, videos that we've done. Um, There's probably 30 or 40 of them there. There's quite a few that you can check out that we've uh, done on, quote-unquote, the journey. So, great. Now... um, If anybody has any comments tonight, um, I will try to get to the comments um, to answer any questions. Um, If my voice sounds a little weird, it's because I've had a cold for about a week. 
I'm on the other side of it now, but still I sound a little strange, at least to me I do. Um, we're going to go a little deeper tonight. I'm going to teach again. We're going to go slightly deeper. So I'm, I'm kind of excited about it. I'm always excited about it. It's just who I am. And so, because I, I get revelation as the Lord gives this stuff to me. Um, he broadens my understanding on things. And as he's doing that, um, <laughs> uh, I get to share it with you. So um, that's what we're going to do tonight. Think of it a little bit like this. I'm going to start the whole first part of it. And I want you to picture like when you were a kid and you were at the candy store and you wanted that those chocolate bars or candies that were up and you couldn't reach them. So you put a stool and stepped on the stool to reach way up there to try to get one. Well, that's the way truth is. Truth is couched. The higher truths are couched in the lower, the literal. And so um, what I'm going to do is lay a bit of a foundation in the beginning of this to try to help um, prepare for where this is going to go. And so that would help to understand this wedding that we've heard so much about and seen lots of paintings of the uh, wedding dinner, <coughs> the wedding feast, you know. And um, the Lord's really been breaking that stuff open to me, and I think it's really cool. So without any further ado, here we go. And good evening, Eddie. All right. So uh, again, there will be, I want to thank everybody that's on here that comes on with us live, and then those that will come on post later to hear this. It's called The Wedding Paradigm, or Union. Union, to be in union, to become one. So, storytelling... You've heard um, a picture is worth a thousand words. Why? What, what does that mean? A picture is worth a thousand words. Well, have you ever went into an art gallery and you've seen people looking at art, especially more modern art, and people will be staring at it from different angles and then people will come out many times with different impressions of what they've seen. And there's always much more in the painting than if you just glance at it and see the what's literally there. There's way more there because there's what's in the depth of the painter when he created that painting. And so it is that... Um, there's multiple layers of understanding. And so that's why the Jewish rabbis taught, and you've, there's podcasts I have about this um, that you can go back to that go in depth about this. But they taught about the four levels of Scripture. There was the simple or the, what they called the literal level. That means what you're reading and what we in the West mostly have just been taught. And then there's the hint 
that there's something else going on here or something deeper. And then there's the allegorical. That means it's, there's, it's a picture. You begin to recognize, oh, they just painted a painting for me. And hidden in the painting is the mystery. Hidden in the painting is the mystery of what the truth really is. It's there for you. So four levels. The rabbis understood this. I've only known this probably seven years now, maybe. Something like that. So the higher revelation of what's really in the story is couched on the lower, literal, simple level. I know this may frustrate or trigger a few people. You know, I've heard it many, many times where somebody goes, this is the literal word of God, my brother. There is nothing else. That's because they're not looking. And if you really thought about that, if that's a literal word and where to keep the word, why do they have both eyes? They should have plucked an eye out. I mean, there's so many scriptures there that contradict what they just said. Because it's not what they think. Is a little true? Yes. But it's, God is, <laughs> a genius doesn't even come close. I don't even have a word for who he is. He can make things happen anywhere, any place, any time. And he's done it to me with that painting I've showed you of the, uh, the sailboat with perception written down the side. He had it at the end of a dock when he'd been talking to me about perception. I go to Niagara-on-the-Lake, and there it is, right at the end of the dock. The literal boat he's talking to me about is now there right in front of me. It's like, God, did you bring me here because you knew the boat was going to be here? Or did you bring the guy with the boat here because you knew I was going to be here? Or is, did you just manifest this boat? Like, what's happening, man? You know? S- synchronicity. It's like God was speaking. And God can do that because he's God. He's not in our simple understanding. So, uh, let's see. So it's couched in the lore. Throughout history, stories have been handed down holding truths as mystery as mystery. Today, they also are all around us in nature, art, music, and movies, hiding the mystery in what I would call modern parables. Modern parables. God is using individuals, and dare I say, they don't necessarily have to be within Christianity. They pull them out of the air. It's like God reveals something, and they don't even know necessarily what they're doing. Think of the matrix. Powerful revelation in the matrix. So, throughout history, that's what they do. Remember, they would tell something. They didn't write at the, in the beginning, so what they would do is they would tell their family, and their family would tell their children and their children, and pass down this story. So to be like a picture, 
right? And in that story was a truth that they wanted to share. So it was hidden in the story. Just like movies can be deep, deeper than you think. Then it just looks like what's happening. And so that's what has happened throughout history, and God's did it with nature. It's written around us all the time. It says man is without excuse. It's with us all the time. If we look, we will see. And there's levels. So, modern parables. Crazy, eh? But we need to be hungry and teachable and never give up the passion to want to know intimately experience know the truth you want to know the truth not the information but experience it experience it like i said i don't want to read a book about a kiss i want to kiss my wife and i go oh my gosh that's the experience i don't want to know about god i want to intimately be acquainted with him no gnosko you see that's what this is about know the truth in the scripture in a lot of places it says in fact throughout the bible in the book of revelations it says those who have eyes to see and ears to hear hear what the spirit is saying why does he say that why does he say that because he wants to show us something jesus spoke in parables earthly stories heavenly meanings it was a picture those parables are pictures that's what they are to show us something the hidden mystery the hidden mystery <laughs> okay you need the spirit to reveal it to you remember the word says that the word of god is spiritually discerned that should tell us right away that there's much more to that than what the literal is and i will show you this as we go into this it is a picture language like your dreams do you have to seek out the mystery of the message and the father the creator to reveal the mystery he even himself he surrounds himself in darkness called mystery he's surrounded in mystery it's amazing man it's amazing i remember for years when i first um started having a lot of dreams and i still do pretty much every night um uh, i used to say in the very beginning i'm talking like 20 years ago and i i'd say god if you're going to speak to me in russian man you're going to have to teach me russian because i don't get this I don't get this. What is that about? <clears throat> but he didn't want my natural mind to know, to, to try to figure it out. And I did try in the beginning. I'd, you know, say, oh, that's probably what this is. But I was doing it on my natural understanding and my, my uh, experiences in life, good, bad, trauma. Um, I, was, I was giving understanding based on sympathy for the individual, maybe, that's in front of me. But I didn't understand. I didn't understand this was a picture language and that I had to wait before him and boom, he'd show what, me what it meant. It'd come out of left field for me and then it'd be as clear as the nose on my face. 
I'd be like, what? How couldn't I have seen that? Because it's spiritual. Because it was hidden, John. And now I'm going to show it to you. Because I want to teach you to walk in the spirit and move you out of your egoic, carnal mind. I was going to take time because I didn't know anything else. The only thing I knew about spiritual was words. You know, I hear the word. In church, I heard the word, but I didn't know what it meant. <laughs> I didn't know what it meant. And so he was going to teach me what this is all about and what it means. Let's look in Matthew. Matthew 13, 15, it says, For the heart of this people has become dull. Their ears can barely hear. And they've shut their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts. Then they would turn back. Look at they would turn back. Because we turned away. And I'd heal them. <clears throat> Again, just a little bit more out of Matthew there. It says, for this reason, I speak to them in parables. Because seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear or understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says you will keep on hearing, but you'll never understand. You keep looking, but you'll never see. Amen. He goes, I tell you, many a prophet and religious leader long to see what you're seeing, but did not see. Oh, hello. That means there's a lot of things that we quote from prophets and religious leaders that don't see. They're in the carnal mind. They're quoting the literal. They'll have a dream, and then they'll quote the dream as literal. They'll have a vision, and they'll quote the vision as literal. We'll, we'll read something from Jeremiah or Isaiah in the literal, and we'll think that's what it is. That's not what it is. They didn't even see. You see? And if, if that's not true, Jesus just lied to you. But it is true. Because there's a time, and he's awakening. We're in a season in the world, in the globe, in human history, where there's a great awakening. And he's waking us up to what he did. Like the boat at the end of the, the dock, with perception on it. So the stories of, you know, Jonah and the whale, uh, Jeremiah, all these different stories, Ezekiel, these stories of people going through things, yes, but even they didn't even have a grip on what that story, their life was really meaning. <clears throat> you see, the, it wasn't the message. The prophet was the message. <clears throat> the prophet's the message. Their life is the very message hidden within it. And God has now beginning to unveil for those that want to see. Mm. They long to see, but what you're seeing, and they didn't see. And to hear what you're hearing, but did not hear. Listen to this. The scripture consists of what has been heard, not what was said. Think on that for a moment. The scripture consists of what has been heard, like the parable, 
not what was really said from Yeshua or Ezekiel or Jeremiah. You see, they were saying something, but it was packaged in their life, hidden to mystery. That's why the rabbis were pursuing this. They understood these things. There's this whole thing, you see. Mm. This whole thing that we've not really understood in the West. I'm going to say that line again, man. It is so powerful if you get this. Scripture consists of what has been heard. In other words, they wrote down what they were supposed to write down. But it wasn't what they were, the person was saying. What they were saying was literally hidden. It's like the painter. He knows what he's painting, what his, his passion, his heart, the revelation, the, the, the vision he's had. <clears throat> he's putting it on canvas. <clears throat> but you're not going to see that when you originally first look at it because it's hidden within there in the passion of the man. And what he was portraying, it's in music. You know, you can hear the musician, he's playing the guitar or, or playing this instrument. And he's got a whole thing of going on within him that you can't just pull up and say, well, that's the riff. I mean, there's more to that than what you think. This is what this means. The Lord said to me one time in 2005, when we were doing this thing, learning how to um, worship by following the Holy Spirit, and uh, <clears throat> we got to a, state, a certain spot, and the Lord said, have them tune their instruments. And I said, well, what do you mean, Lord, tune their instruments? And he said, he said, their instruments, their hearts, and they can't go any further until they tune their instruments. You see... What comes on the outside through the instrument of the guitar, the vocal, the drum, the keyboard, that is uh, only a reflection if there's anything on the inside. The inside, that's why David was so powerful. That's why David, when they said he was going to play, they would tell people to get off the buildings, to get down because they were going to fall. Because David, his heart was, he was a man after God. His heart was in tune with the Father, and the, the very essence of the Father was coming through his heart into the instrument and then hitting the people. This is where we're going. We've got to tune the heart. Now, in Mark 8, hmm, Hey, in Mark 8, they've just fed the, the 4,000 with the bread and the fish. And they got in these boats, and they were heading over, and then Jesus says, I was warning them, saying, Mind, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of the Herodes. And they were reasoning with one another, saying, Because we have no bread? You see, because they were relating it to the literal situation they were in. They'd just been dealing with bread, 
He's talking about leaven. He must be talking about that. And Yeshua, being aware of it, said to them, Why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not perceive or understand? Is your heart still hard? Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you do not hear? And you do not remember. Remember is a big thing. Because you see, we're not learning, we're remembering. Remember, we're going back to the beginning. We're not heading to the end. We're going to the beginning. We're remembering who we really are is what's going on. It's all inside you. You're remembering. So, Yeshua is saying this to his disciples. And then, right after he tells them, and by the way, the leaven of the Pharisees would be the religious teaching of the day. The leaven of the Herodes, 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 I don't even know. Herodes, we'll say, um, was Greek. It's the understanding in the mainstream, the Greek understanding. Uh, so, in the same verse, a, pair, a powerful picture takes place that I want to take you in the four levels to see. It says, when they arrived, Mark 8, 22, when they arrived at Bethesda, <clears throat> and I'll break it, some of it, as we go. The house of grace was Bethesda. Now, the house of grace is when you first become aware of Christ. It's called grace. Now, many of us don't stay in grace. We kind of like to take grace and then mix legalism in it, Judaism, which Jesus came to remove. But grace is Romans chapter 6. I'm crucified in Christ. It's the beginning of the journey. So now picture this. You've just started the journey at Bethesda, the house of grace. Some people brought a blind man to Jesus, begging him to touch him and heal him. So Jesus led him as his sighted guide outside the village. Now, this doesn't happen for many of us, but this should be what takes place. When it says that he took him uh, and he was now his sight, and he took him outside the village, what he was literally doing is taking him outside the mental construct of his belief system. Outside that group of people that we've been walking with that believe a certain way. This is how it started for me. Now, I got sidetracked at one point for 30 years, but this is the way it started for me. So I understand this. So he leads him outside the village because he's going to teach him. Then it says he places his saliva on the man's eyes and covers them with his hands. Now, this is just after you get saved, man. There's this experience that you have with the intimacy of God. 
that is unbelievable. It says, kiss me uh, with the Song of Solomon, kiss me with the kisses of your mouth, for your kisses, they're better than wine. That's what that's like. That's what the saliva on your eyes is. He's beginning to open your eyes that there's something amazing here, something beyond your understanding. And then he covers your eyes because he's covering the way you've seen things thus far. And now you're going to see through what he wants you to see. Okay, so then, then he asked him, now do you see anything? The guy says, yes, my sight is coming back. I'm beginning to see people, but they look like trees, walking trees. So then what happens is we enter into Romans chapter 7, and what I said earlier happens, it's like um, we still see everybody as individuals. We still see through the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We're still in this perception of... uh, good and evil, right and wrong, up and down, left and right, duality. We're still in duality. And so that's what the trees represent. And they're walking because they're individualities now, they're dualities. There's no, no unity in this. So Jesus puts his hands over the man's eyes a second time. Now that was the hint. Remember, there's the literal, then there's a hint. The hint is, you really think that the creator of the universe needs to pray for a man twice? No. Anybody that's told you that was to teach you to keep being persistent is just a carnal understanding of it. The hint is, that's not what this is about. He prays for him a second time because he wants him to move out of Romans 7 to Romans 8. This is what Paul is talking about in Romans 6, 7, and 8. He says to him, um, listen to what he says after he, it says he prays for him the second time. He says, he made him look up. You see, as long as you're looking in the world in carnality, in the systems of the world, the matrix, you're still blind. You're still seeing men as trees. So even when we first become Christians and we're saved and hallelujah and we're walking and all that, <coughs> we're in Romans 7, we're still judging one another, we're walking in all this stuff, duality, what's right, what's wrong, brother, right? That's still blind. So he prays the second time, but he makes him look up now. Up out of the matrix. Come up here. You've heard this in church a thousand times, right? Come up here. What does it mean? Look up here. Spirit. Look to heaven, not earth. Earth is carnal. Heaven is spirit. Look to the spirit. Come up here. So he made him look up. The man opens his eyes wide, and he could see everything perfectly. His eyesight was completely restored, it says. That's Romans chapter 8. 
says that we're in Christ. There's therefore no condemnation for those that are in Christ. The law of the Spirit of life has released us from the law of sin and death to a whole new creation. We've entered a new creation. We'll call it a parallel universe that's going on right here. Perfectly. That's scripture. In the scripture, it says to be perfect like your heavenly Father is perfect. The, the perfect day, this is all language, but it means one thing. Romans chapter 8, it means this, that you've ascended Jacob's ladder. Romans chapter 8, you can see now. Now you can see. Completely see in the Spirit. While walking here. Perfectly. The day of the Lord is another term for it. The fullness of the day is another term for it. His eyesight was completely restored, it says, and he could see all clearly. Romans 6 to Romans 8. To being in Christ. First Christ is in me like a seed. Everything that was in the seed is the whole thing of the tree is in the seed, but not until it matures. I go from a child of God to a son of God till it matures into the place that I am now in Christ. I understand what that means then. And I'm living it. I'm living it. Okay, so we go from carnality to spirit. Today, many prophets are having visions and dreams and interpreting them as seeing trees. And that's why we're having the end of the world every couple of decades. <laughs> and yet we're still here. Everybody wants to leave, and the prayer, Lord's Prayer says, Thy kingdom come. Oh, I will be done. Where? On earth, in the third dimension. Oh, Father, I'm sorry. Everybody was telling me to, you know, jump on the rapture boat to get out. Delusion. Illusion. What are we afraid of? We're God's sons. It's time to awaken. Time to awaken. Even people that have had NDEs, near-death experiences, they think they see literal. So they come back and say, I've seen this. This is what it's like. I was in hell, brother. Really? Okay, well, tell me about it. You see, God is unveiling, but unless we look into it, we won't understand. Seeing they don't see, hearing they don't hear. They, it hasn't entered into the heart of man to understand. Got to tune the instrument, John. But if you stop short and merely memorize or quote Scripture, not penetrate and enter into the reality of what that word and the experience of that realm of life is, no changes come to you. There has to be a change. There has to be a change. Not about quoting the Bible. You can memorize the Bible and it won't benefit you at all. <laughs> you got to know what it is and enter into the kiss. You got to have the experience of a saliva on your eyes. You got to know. Got to know. Ganosko. You got to enter into the bedchamber. Son of Solomon. 
These are all just pictures, terms of an intimate, intimate place with God. This is where he's calling us today. Religion doesn't cut it. It's actually never cut it. It just pacifies us for a while. Jesus said it. You search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. Scriptures point to me. Remember I said that the, the lesser light, like the moon doesn't have any light, but the sun's shining on it. It's, it's pointing you to the sun, the greater light. So the lesser lights here in this realm, like the pictures, like the scripture, point you to the greater light, which is the experience with him, the truth. All right, so laid a bit of a foundation for picturing, symbology, and the depth of these things. Now I'm going to go in a little bit more of something else before we get where we're going. And this one here is really on the heart of God right now. And I'll probably do a video, a short one soon, uh, because he spoke to me a little about this last night, um, about this and how important this is and where we're going with this. First Peter, through the eternal and living word of God, you've been born again. Not by a book, by a living word. And this seed that he planted within you can never be destroyed, but will live and grow inside you forever. First Peter 1.23, you've been born again, not from perishable seed, but imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. Living word. John 6, 48, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the man in the desert, yet they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that the one may eat it and not die. I'm the living bread, which came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh which I give for the life of the world. Now, that's a picture he's telling us again, that what they taught was carnal word, and the people died. What he is, is not from spirituality or religion, but he's the creator come into this world, descended into this realm, the Word became flesh, to tell us the living Word is what makes you alive. Not what they tell you, but what you experience. It's alive. Even if I share tonight what I'm experiencing or what I'm speaking, you need to be experiencing something within you. Because otherwise, don't listen to me. I feel that strongly about this because the living word is living. It says it's uh, sharper than a double-edged sword to the dividing what? Of soul and spirit. The bone and the marrow. Bone and marrow, what's that? The life of the bone is the marrow that's inside of it. 
This is who Christ is. My flesh, he said. So Yeshua said to them, I tell you, unless you eat my flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourself. This one should really, and this isn't about taking communion on Sunday morning. This one should really hit us. You have no life inside you if you do not. Um, okay, something just died out there for a moment. Let's see if I'm still on board. All right, I think so. Um, Ed, if you're still on, can you just comment for me um, if I'm still live? Because for some reason, it kind of glitched out, and I don't even know why. So it says that, he says, unless you eat his flesh and drink his blood, you have no life in yourself. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. I'll raise him up on the last day. My flesh is real food. My blood is real drink. He who eats my flesh, drinks my blood, abides in me. Thanks, Ed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood, abides in me, and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who eats of me will also live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. It wasn't like the bread of your fathers, and they died. He who eats this bread will live forever. So it's important for us to recognize that it's not just about taking the, the, the cookie and the, the wafer and the juice. It's about the flesh and blood of Christ. Those are symbols of a truth. It's not the ritual. That's a symbol to tell me something. That's like the Bible that's telling me something. But I got to find the one that the Bible's telling me about. So they're pointing to something, and it's his flesh and blood. So it says, flesh is the living word again. He is the word made flesh and dwelt among us. The living word, I have to have it. It's the revelation or the light that pierces you, that carries you out of the blindness. Remember back in the, the story of the blind guy, up Jacob's ladder, back to the beginning. Back to the beginning. Now, that's amazing, amazing, man. You see that story of the blind guy quite possibly did take place in the literal. <clears throat> but it was never about the literal, like the boat at the end of the dock. It was all about this, the journey of each one of us. And what happens to us so that we would understand what's taking place. In 1978, when the, I had the open vision, Jesus said something to me. Well, he said a lot of things, but this is one thing he said to me that I'm probably only really understanding this in the last two weeks. I mean, I, I understood it, let's say, from the literal, because I went out um, and I dealt with things like... Um, leading people to Christ as an evangelist. Because he said to me, Jesus spoke and he said, 
go and tell them I'm alive. And I said to him at the time, I said, oh, they know you're alive. He said, no, they don't. Go and tell them I'm alive. Now, I thought that meant lead them to Christ so they would know him, all these things. But in the last two weeks, I realized what he's talking about. That's what I'm doing here right now, is I'm telling you that uh, there are many people, including myself in the past, that have followed traditions, teachings of man, which for, gave me a form of godliness. You know, I went to church every Sunday for 30 years, or whatever, 40 years. Um, but very little of it was the living word. It was the book. And sometimes you, God would use the book to touch me. But when he said this to me, he was talking about the fact they do not know the difference between me and information. So they memorize scripture. We quote it, teach it, do all these things. And he is merciful and he touches people and things happen. But that's not enough. You're not going to be somebody's friend or better yet, his wife. Talking about levels of intimacy here. And then even beyond that, which we call sonship. With little Dabaluya. He's got to have it burning inside you. You've got to know what this is when I'm talking about this. This is why he said to me, go and tell them I'm alive. The living word is alive. It's not dead. It's not written down. It's a person. It's a person. So the living word is not just a result of the written word. The living word is. And the written word is a light, a lesser light, that reveals the living word. It points. It's a narrow pointing to him. And there's mystery hidden in there how to find him. And then you enter into these things like the Song of Solomon, where Solomon was talking about this. Places of intimacy. Like, wow. Okay, so that was the step stool. So we're probably going to go a little bit later, if that's okay. We want to go into talking about the wedding. In Genesis... 221 the Lord caused hang on yes there's pockets of this going on <clears throat> all over the globe not tons but definitely God is awakening people and that's what we're doing. And yeah, so I'll come back to you uh, when I finish this and reference you, okay? Okay, so the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. 
and the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man he made fashioned formed into a woman and he brought her and presented her to the man and Adam said this is now bone of my bone flesh of my flesh flesh she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man for this reason man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they will become one flesh okay first of all Adam is the name meaning humanity it's the collective term equal to mankind it wasn't a man we all are asleep and something's been taken from us and we feel separated from God who is spirit and we don't feel whole you see and I'm going to show you this through now Abraham the same picture of what's going on in this realm <laughs> you see we are asleep it says doesn't it awake O sleeper awake from the dead it's we were put to sleep because we were separated from that part of us the feminine energy okay so let's look now at Genesis 15 several animals were cut in half and arranged along a path their purpose was to symbolize the penalty for breaking the covenant you notice they were cut in half what was happened Eve was taken out of Adam two parts what is the mark of the beast the mark of the beast is a two-part being it's not like we think it's the beast nature meaning we operate out of body and soul no spirit because our spirit seemingly was removed and so it's just a beast nature and continuing even into Romans 7 when we first get saved we're still blind the guy was still blind he's still seen trees so then it says it, it, because it said it symbolizes it's a symbol it's a symbol again he's told us right there the two men entering into a covenant relationship walked between and around the animal parts in a figure eight an eight on its side is the symbol for infinity this was to show that they understood and accepted the penalty that the agreement committed or sorry and the agreement that it was committed them forever that they were settling it's a covenant marriage covenant you see it it's the marriage covenant when God entered into his covenant with Abraham promising him an heir and giving him the promised land that's where we want to go right Eden the promised land they're all pictures again of this state of being heaven um, he was the only one who walked between the animals this meant that only he was bound to the terms oh <clears throat> this is good there was nothing Abraham had to do in fact God put him to sleep oh. so what's happening 
when while we've been asleep, God came, manifested as Jesus, walked the covenant onto the cross. <laughs> Do you see it? We're asleep. He's now telling us he did it. There's nothing you can do. I'm cutting covenant with myself for you. I'm coming as you for you. Right? God didn't beat his son up on the cross for you. <laughs> he came. He came. The father came for you. And he cut covenant while we've been asleep and not aware of who we really are. This is so powerful. He promised him, he says, God put Abraham to sleep so he couldn't participate. This isn't a bad thing that's going on. The land was given to Abraham and his descendants and children. What is his descendants? They're not Jewish. They're not Christians. They're children of faith. They're all that will turn to him. We were all the sons of God, the whole human race. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, remember? Neither rich nor poor, neither slave nor bond or, or um, master. But we're one in Christ. So the Lamb was given to them unconditionally, in perpetuity, which means a security that pays for an infinite amount of time. Infinitely. This is what the Father did in Christ while we've been asleep here. Adam was asleep. Abraham's asleep. We're asleep. It's telling us about us. Then Paul shows up, and he goes in Colossians. For God is satisfied to have all of his fullness dwelling in Christ. Who is Christ? It's us. It's the corporate body, the many-membered body. Jesus was the head of the body. Jesus Christ is not his last name. They didn't have last names. They were the son of Jesus the Christ. You see? He is the mystic secret of God. He's what God was doing. He was creating an ark. <coughs> Bring us all back in the ark. Hmm. So it says, the fullness dwelling in Christ, and by his, the blood of his cross, everything where? In heaven, that's spirit, and earth is brought back to himself, back to its original intent restored to innocence again this is what he did in jesus while we were asleep here we created religion by the way but this is what he did and he restored us remember this uh, psalm 23 it says um that he led me by the still water and I looked into it, and what's still water? It's a mirror. Paul said, Behold, I see in a mirror dimly, 
But then face to face, I will know as I've been known who I really am. And that's what it's talking. Restored. He restoreth my soul. Puts it back in original condition. The beginning. To who we really are. Back to the beginning. Paul says there's a divine mystery. I have a secret surprise, he says, that's been concealed from the world for generations. But now it's being revealed, unfolded, manifested for every holy believer to experience. Experience the kiss. Living within you, each one of us, living within you, he goes, is the Christ who floods you with what? The expectation of glory. What's glory? I told you a few weeks ago, glory is called discover my light. Discover my light. That's the revelation of who he really is, the light, the word, Yeshua, the living word. Discover it. So there's an expectation inside of us. So what is it that's causing this expectation? Paul's telling you it's Christ in you that's causing this expectation. This mystery of Christ embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure chest. There's a treasure chest inside of us with hope filled with the riches of the discover my light glory for his people. And God wants everyone to know it. God wants everyone to know it. In the fullness of time, he did this, right? Hmm. It's everyone to know it. Let me see where I am. There we are. Christ is our message. We preach to what, Paul? Awaken hearts and bring every person into the full understanding of truth. It has become my inspiration and passion, Paul says, to minister, to labor with tireless intensity, with his power flowing through me to present every believer the revelation of being his perfect one in Jesus Christ. You see it? In everyone, the whole human race. No clubs, <laughs> just one new man. Jesus Christ. Ephesians 5. Husbands, love your wives as their own bodies. We're back to Adam and Eve. It says nothing to do with marriage. And I've used it for years at wedding ceremonies. But this is the mystery. Hmm. <laughs> should love your wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. No one hates his own flesh, but rather nourishes and cherishes it, even as Christ does the church, because we're members of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. Are you ready? This is a great mystery. I speak to you in reference to Christ and his church. 
Okay. Who's my, our mother and father? It's those that have been teaching us and mentoring us. It's in Hebrews, I believe, that help us. God gives us mothers and fathers when we're children to teach us and help us grow. But eventually we must leave our mother and father and cling to our wife and two, become one flesh. I must become one with the Christ in me. My spirit is one spirit with him. I must become one once again. I must have Eve return to me, return to each of you. This is what this is all about, is the union, the union. In Revelations, it says, um, <clears throat> Come, I'll show you the beautiful bride, the wife of the Lamb. The angel carried me away in the realm of the Spirit to the top of a great high mountain. Now, you've been around me long enough to know that's Jacob's Ladder. That's Moses' Mountain. They're all pictures of the journey up in the Spirit as he takes you from glory to glory to glory. Glory being, discover my light, revelation, 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 seeing, 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 better and better and better until we know as we've been known. This is what he's talking about. The angel took me worked with me, carried me to this place on a high mountain. He's going to show me the bride, okay? He showed me a holy city, Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. It was infused with the glory of God, with the revelation of who he is, see? And its radiance was like that of a very uh, rare jewel, jasper, or crystal clear. No clouds, crystal clear. Okay, so... There is a city. It's not a physical city. It's us. We're Zion. The ones that are walking in the revelation have been carried to the top, and they've got their eyes open, and they're in the city of God. They understand what that means now. It, it's, it's a picture. Everybody's ready, and we're singing songs about dancing on the streets of gold when... Paul said, your faith is as gold refined in the fire seven times. <clears throat> He's bringing us into the revelation of this state of being in him where we're once again awakened from the sleep. We're sleeping beauty. And the prince comes along and he kisses her and she wakes up. Right? Seven dwarfs. <laughs> seven steps on Jacob's ladder, seven days in the week. You see, they're all there. They're all pictures. They're all pictures. Yeah. <laughs> seven. Whoa. We should go into the someday Sleeping Beauty and the Seven Dwarfs. That's probably a really great revelation right there of who we are. <clears throat> Revelation 19, let us rejoice and exalt. And I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Let us rejoice and exalt him and give him glory because the wedding celebration of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. 
Fine linen, shining bright and clear, has been given her to wear. And the fine linen represents the righteous deeds of the holy believers. Then the angel said to me, write these words, wonderfully blessed are those who are invited to the feast at the wedding celebration of the Lamb. These are the true words of God. Okay, the wedding feast, what are we eating? Flesh and blood. The living word and the very life of God. There is a river that flows from deep within. The river of life flowing through us, in us, all around us. The liquid love of God. That's the wedding feast. And when is it prepared? When you arrive at that place on that mountain that was just a few, little before. We must go there, enter into that state. We've been taught for so long about an event. You see, this is what I'm talking about. As I'm talking, the Bible's jammed. I'm barely cracking the surface of this stuff, but I'm experiencing it. That's the beauty of this. <clears throat> I'm experiencing it. And I'm just, I'm like Justin Abraham said, I'm not telling you to believe me. I'm telling you to search a matter out. Go to the Father. Ask him if this be so. Search this stuff out. Cry out to God for the experience of the kiss to come into these things. <clears throat> okay. I want to read a quote from the Gospel of Truth. Within us, we contain both the uncreated and the created, Adam and Eve, the divine and the human. Where does the one begin and the other end? The question is not why, but how. How can we live so that we're one? As in, this is what Jesus told us, I am the Father, are one. How can we realize this union of God and human as manifested in Yeshua, the Christ, with neither separation nor confusion? How can we live fully the consequences of the thenopric, which means in a human form, both divine and human. This says, the theopric wedding of created and uncreated. You see, you have an uncreated part that was removed from you, from your understanding. It's in, it's in you. It's never not been. But you don't know it. So that's why we're like we're asleep. And Yeshua comes while we're asleep and walks the figure eight, meaning commits the covenant on the Calvary, reveals the flesh and blood that we need to partake in order to awaken to come back to this reality. Is there separation? Separation is the word for sin. Or sin doesn't exist. It's separation. Separation. 
and sin is the result of. Separation's the issue. The Jews, Jews called it missing the mark. Separation. And so, mm, let me keep going on. The Gospel of Thomas, Logging 22, it says, is what Jesus said. When you make the two into one, when you make the inner like the outer, the high like the low, when you make male and female into a single one. You see? He's telling us what Paul talked about in the marriage. He's talking about what was going on in Genesis all through the Bible. This is what he's saying. When you make the two one. This is why we need the living word, because the living word is going to bring us up the ladder, up that mountain, face to face with the Father, back into union with himself. With himself. I'm in the Father, the Father's in me, and we're one. We've been taught so much about sin consciousness that we could never believe that, and then we were placed God at a long distance away in a place called heaven, so we could never enter into it. Terrible stuff. It's not the truth. It's anti-gospel. The gospel teaches us something totally different. But you see, we were just listening and doing. Jacob Boheme, a, Ger a German mystic and theologian, he lived from 1575 until 1624. He says this, The Holy Ghost shall be in the hearts of the faithful in Zion. I acknowledge and I know it. For Zion shall not be from without, but it's in the new man. It's already born. He that would seek it, let him but seek himself. Depart from the old Adam into a new life, and he shall find whether Jesus is born in him. You see, it's inside you. This whole thing's about you. It's within you. If he finds it not, let him enter into himself and seriously consider himself, and he shall find Babel and her workings in him. There he must destroy and enter into God's covenant. And then Zion will be revealed to him and in him. And he will be born with Christ in Bethlehem of Judea in the dark stable. Not in Jerusalem, as reason feigns, but Christ should be born in the old ass. The old ass must become servant and serve the new man in Zion. The carnal man has to let go. The egoic man must let go and serve the master, which is you in Christ. Coming to that marriage, that fullness, that union, that oneness. Now, and with this, <clears throat> the Song of Solomon Chapter 8, verse 5. 
A beautiful picture. Who is this coming up from the wilderness, leaning on her lover? Under the apple tree, I roused you. There your mother travailed with you. There, she who was in labor gave you birth. Now, wilderness is an Aramaic symbol of entering into a place of being unprotected. Welcome to the world where you deal with the illusions and fears in your mind that we call demons until you enter through the gate of sacred light in a higher state or dimension within your own heart, even as Jesus did. There's a place in Israel where Jesus ascended to a cave. And this is where he was when it says that he went out in the wilderness was tempted for 40 days. It wasn't the desert and it wasn't the wilderness. The wilderness is where you lay down all your protections. You want to see what's within your own mind. And he went there to deal with the carnal mind, to deal with what we fight with, the egoic mind. And so he dealt with these things and he ascended into the Father. He transfigured right there. That's where this went down for him. And that's what's going on with us, is we're going through a process. In the carnal state, is called earth. And our mother is earth. Maya, they call her. Now, what is, what is it, our mother, the earth? Because this physical being, I receive food from the earth, I receive light from, from the sun, I receive water from the earth, and uh, through the rain, I receive everything that sustains and gives me life. She's my mom. You see it? And she's travailing to bring me to birth. That's why we're here. We're to be born. So we're going through this spot as she's travailing to give us birth into that thenopric. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. Thenopric, human form of divine and human. A wedding of created and uncreated. That's what's going on. Is we're in our mom. She's taking care of us until we deal with these things. I heard a man not that long ago talk about the fact that one of the first things that happens, I won't go into the whole thing because of the time, but the first thing that happens with a baby is it learns love and trust. Mommy loves me, and I can trust her. She'll take care of me. If you don't have love and trust in God, that's what you need foundationally. You see, and there's levels going from there. You go through an orphan state, you go through different states until you get to that place. And I seen the father once in the way he wanted me to understand him because he showed me a, a guy and I seen pure innocence. In fact, I thought when I seen him, because it was just, it's an aspect right of him. 
I seen uh, what you see is what you get. There was no shadows of turning, nothing. No second thoughts around him, nothing. And yet I knew that I felt like I had to protect him. If the world only knew who you were, man, they would abuse you and use you. Well, that's never happening. <laughs> Seriously? But I was seeing how pure and innocent and loving he is. Unconditional love. Unconditional love. Yeah, we hit the, uh, the lottery jackpot. Jackpot. Maybe it was a put, too. Anyway, getting just a little drunk here. God is amazing. And so I'm going to take two minutes. Instead of doing that other video, I might do it anyway, but I'm going to drop it here as well. God woke me up last night, and he began to speak to me about the living word. We'd put this together, and then he began to say to me, John, this is the, a defining moment, so I'm telling you now. If you want to call it prophesying, you can call it prophesying, call it anything you like. But what I'm telling you is there's a change happening because God now is going to begin uh, elevating the presence of his living word so that you will see what is living what isn't living. Because up until now, we have not known John, Jesus. They know you're alive. No, they don't. <laughs> Go and tell them I'm alive. They think I'm a history book. They think I'm, you know, if I quote these scriptures, everything's dandy. No. It's me. It's me you need to know. The living word. So he is going to up this. And I don't think it's going to end. I think that there's a new thing coming. And I believe it's like Isaiah 60. Arise and shine for your light has come. What does it say? And the glory of the Lord has risen, risen upon you. What's the glory? Discover my light. The revelation of God has landed on you, and they will come to the glory of your rising. That's how important this is. This is that important, that we understand um, we're moving out of the days of religion, and we're moving into the days of the manifestation of Jesus, of the Christ in us, in us, coming forth. The light comes in us, right? Through us. But first, it must come to us. We must know the living word. And so, Manny, I, mean, I must have been in it for like an hour or so last night. He was just bathing me in it and telling me, tell them, tell them. This is what's going to start happening. And so, that's why I said tonight, if you feel something quickening to you, if you feel some energy, if you feel something from this, this isn't me. I'm no magician. It's the living word. Talk to him. Let him quicken and awaken you. That's what this is all about. We're all on the journey. We are all one new man, the Christ, the new Jerusalem, coming down from the mountain. After we ascend, we come down the mountain to change the human race. It's good news. It's great news. 
because God's good. He's always been good, and he's in a great mood. He's not caught up in our illusions. That's why we're in the wilderness, a lot of us, because we're still in the delusions, in the matrix. We're all fighting over things, you know? That's why it's, you know, taking sides on stuff, and both sides are wrong, because they're both in illusions. It's love. For God so loved the world. God loved the world. So let's get married. Eh? Let's get married. Let's each of us enter in to the bedchamber like Esther after three days. She entered in. Picture. It's a picture. All right. Does anybody have any questions? We just tie this up. I want to talk to answer Deborah. You said someone Hmm, nice. Been feeling this for a while. Mm-hmm. We do need each other. We definitely need each other. One body. That's why Paul said, you know, many parts, one body. Right? My eyes, I need to help me see where I'm going and my ears to hear and my feet to get me there. So it all works together. Um, so I have tons of podcasts, um, on different parts of this stuff, um, that I'm more than willing, like it's on the YouTube channel where you can go there and get this stuff. Um, and I agree it's good. There it is. It's good if, um, you got together with some people that are hungry, like yourself. And just, it's like, I mean, unless you're close to where we are, but probably not. So um, you can get together and break bread, meaning share about what you're getting. Share about what's happening. It's all about, you know, Paul saying, forsake not the gathering together yourselves, because it is about... Um, commitment uh, and the body being together and encouraging one another and walking with one another um, as we go through these experiences and as we gain light, arise and shine. As that light is coming to us, as we're ascending the ladder, Jacob's ladder, which John one fifty one tells us is Jesus because he's the light, the living word that takes us up into all truth. That's what he's doing. Um, we could also start groups, Zoom group, if um, people are, if there's enough people interested in that. Um, I've deba debated on different aspects of this, of where God wants to take this. Right now, I've been doing it like this. Um, but... Um, I may even teach some of this. God has uh, 
given me nine manuals. I'm not quite done the ninth one yet, um, uh, of which this chapter will be in it, um, to help people come from that place of grace across what God calls a bridge from the mountain of man to the mountain of God, to walking with God in Zion and understanding what that means. Um, I think there will be a great movement of this coming. I don't know when that will happen. I do know what he said about the living word. And I believe that we're going to start seeing that being defined by him shortly. If not tonight. You know what I mean? So, you can, uh, on our website, if you wanted to text me, Deborah on my website, um, which is the Grace and, uh, let's see, which is right here. If you wanted to get a hold of us there, uh, we can communicate back and forth and even try and put something together. All right. Um, Um, mm. there are other ways as well so um, are you in Canada or United States whereabouts are you from Yeah, Connecticut. So, yeah, we can work something out. If you wanted to email me through uh, www.hcm-strafford.org, if you go there, go to the Connect page at the back, far side uh, panel, you will see a place where you can email me, and then uh, I will communicate with you through there, and we can see, or you, there's a phone number there, too. My phone's dead at the moment, meaning it kind of broke, dropped it. But I will be putting it and getting a new one within uh, four days, I think. So then there's a number there we could actually talk to me. And we'll uh, see what we can do. All right? Because that's what it's all about. No problem. Appreciate you coming on tonight. Bless you guys. Thank you, everybody, for being here. And I hope you're encouraged and stirred and stretched. Amen. All right. Enjoy the presence of God. Amen. Talk to you later.